I want you to take your Bibles. I want you to turn with me to the first page of the New Testament, Matthew chapter one. Matthew chapter one. I didn't know if you knew this or not, but it is the Christmas season. I don't know how you could miss it. One of the great mysteries to me is how in this nation you can take Christmas. I don't know if you knew this or not, but Christmas is the mass of Christ. Mass means celebration service. And uh, Christmas is the mass of Christ. It's actually Christ mass. And uh, it takes a lot of effort in our nation to be able to celebrate Christmas and never mention Jesus. But somehow we figured out to pull it off. But I want to make a, a statement. Jesus is the focal point of Christmas. Now, I saw a sign the other day and it said something. And don't, please don't shoot me for saying this. But it said, Jesus is the reason for the season. Don't amen. He is not the reason for the season. He is the central figure of Christmas. He is the focal point of Christmas, but he is not the reason for the season. The Bible gives us the reason for the season in one verse when it talks about the coming of Jesus to earth. And I want you to read one verse with me about Jesus' birth. And I want you to see if you can find the reason for the season in this passage. Matthew chapter 1. Verse 29, 21, Matthew 1, 21, talking about the birth of Jesus. And she will bring forth a son and you shall call his name Jesus for he will save his people from their sins. Sin is the reason for the season. If there'd never been sin, there'd never be a Christmas. The purpose of Christmas is to save us from our sins. Jesus always has been, always will be. Christmas has all to do with sin. Now, let me say something about sin. Have y'all ever heard that word sin before? You know why I have to ask that in this nation, don't you? This nation has absolutely disagreed with God over what sin is. And if you want to get barbecued in this nation and eaten alive, you just say sin. Because sin has gone out of vogue. What's the problem? The Bible has not been rewritten. And the Bible's eternal truth. Not long ago, our, our society absolutely detests anybody mentioning sin. It wasn't long ago that the fire chief of Atlanta, Georgia was fired by the city council. He's a godly man. He's a Sunday school teacher. And he posted a Sunday school lesson he wrote online. And he talked about sin in that Sunday school lesson. The city council saw it and fired him because of what he did on his own private time. Of course, he went to court and he won the case back. What is the problem with sin? Why is everybody in our nation so uptight about what the Bible clearly talks about? Well, the Bible said Jesus came to this earth to do what? Save me from my sin. If I don't have sin, there's nothing for me to be saved from. And uh, the scripture teaches this is the focal point of what Christmas is all about. It's not about candy canes. It's not about manger scenes and trees. It's about sin and my need to be saved from my sin. That's the reason Jesus came to this earth. And uh, many people wonder, well, you know, we don't like to talk about it. Well, stop doing it. We'll quit talking about it. I get in trouble for oversimplifying the complex problems in our nation. We don't have complex problems in this nation. We have one problem in this nation. One. We will not let the creator of this universe run the nation that he created. That's called sin. When I say to him, you're not going to run my life, that's sin. And that's the only problem I've ever seen in this nation. It's the only problem we have today. 
Now, if I were to ask you, and most believers would miss this, if I were to ask you, well, what is the problem with this sin thing? Most Christians miss it. They say, well, it's bad. Well, I agree with that, but that's not the problem. They say, well, you shouldn't do it. Oh, I'm a preacher. I agree with that. I think that has something to do with the 10 suggestions. But that's not the problem. Let's look and see what the problem with it is. Turn with me to Romans chapter 3, where the Bible says this is the problem. How many of you would agree with me that we have a problem in our land? Some of you sitting in this room have problems in your lives. And the Bible tells us what the problem is. And there's only one problem. And I experience this all the time dealing with people. I dealt with it earlier this morning with a family in my church. All right, here's the answer. It's in Romans chapter three in one verse. I want you to read this verse and it's one simple verse, a little short verse. And I want you to see if you can find what the problem with sin is in our land. It's Romans 3.23 where the Bible says this. All have sinned and come short of the, what'd you say? Glory of God. Tell me the problem with sin. It's got something to do with glory. I want you to look in that verse and tell me the two things that can never exist in the same place. Glory and sin. Sin can never be where glory is and glory cannot be where sin is. So what, tell me what the problem with sin is. It's not that I'm going to make somebody mad. The problem is that if I, if I sin, I'm going to do what? It's going to cost me something. I'm going to lose the glory. We've lost the glory in this nation. Some of you sitting in this room, you've lost the glory of God on your life. Doesn't mean he doesn't love you. You cannot stop his love. Put your fist in his face. It won't change his love. It will change the glory. And there's a big difference. And this Bible is a book about people who had the glory of God and then lost it. Some got it back, some didn't. Because we need the glory of God. We were created to live in the glory of God. We weren't created to live apart from his glory. We suffer without his glory. I'm going to give you a couple of examples from scripture. Let's take the first one. I'll just quote it to you. If you go all the way back to the book of Genesis in the beginning, the Bible said God created the heavens and the earth. How many of you think he did a fine job? I'm an outdoorsman. I love the outdoors. I love the beauty of nature. I love, I love the sunset. Did anybody, I was working outdoors yesterday, last night. I stopped. Did you see the sunset last night? I mean, the sky was on fire. That was him. That's his artwork. The sunrise. This, I watched the sun come up this morning. I just said, you done good. The beauty of the Blue Ridge, the coastal plains. I mean, God is an artist. And he created the earth and it's beautiful. And then he said this, let us make man in our image. And he put men and women in the earth. He put a couple in the earth. And the Bible said they lived in the glory of God. Now, we don't know how long they lived in it. It could have been a few days. It might have been years. I think it was years. But they lived in the glory of God. They lived surrounded by the glory of God. And uh, let me tell you from scripture what that meant. Number one, they lived in the tangible presence of God. I mean, they, you, God was there. And how do you know God somewhere? What does the Bible say? It's the number one thing about the presence of God. In thy presence is fullness of joy. And they, there was this joy just all about them. That's the glory of God. Listen to me. One of these days, that body you're wearing is going to fall over. That, that, that's not an if. That's a when. 
But if this body is destroyed, we know we have a body in the heavenly is not made with hands because to be absent from the body is to be present with, all right, listen, listen to me. The moment this body falls over and I'm in the presence of God, what's the first thing that you're going to be stunned by? Not his face. Certainly not streets of gold. Who looks down? You're just going to go, you're going to have such indescribable joy. You're just going to go, I never knew there could be a joy like, it'll just hit your heart like a tidal wave. And you'll just be standing in the joy of God, which is his presence. They lived in that. Peace. There's a peace that's tangible. You can touch it. It's, it's like you couldn't worry if you wanted to. No fear, no worry, no anxiety. It's, it's, it's like you feel this presence. That's the presence and glory of God. Of course, his love, like Sibylla's role, you just, uh, Charles Finney said it like, he's like, it's like standing under a waterfall of liquid love. That's the presence of God. That's the glory of God. That's his tangible presence that they lived in. Number two, their, his provision. Did, do you think they worried about their next meal? He gave them the whole earth, said, it's all yours. Eat anything you want to. I'm responsible for all your needs. You, they never worried. He took care of everything. That's the glory of God. Number three, the protection. They had no fear whatsoever. There's nothing to be afraid of because in the glory of God, nothing can happen to you. Do you understand that he who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall live under the shadow of the Almighty? That's the glory of God. There's just a protection there. Number four, now listen to this. They didn't just sit around and play harps. He gave them the earth. He said, I created all this for you here. He said, now take it. I'm giving you the earth. Be fruitful. Take over this thing. Run it. This is your life purpose. Do it. And when you're in the glory of God, there's, you find your purpose in life. You, you, you just say, I was, I was created to do this. You get up every day and they just, they got up every day and they ran the place and it was great. And they loved their work because it was, they were created for it. That's the glory of God. And then the fifth one, what about their relationship with each other? Do you think Adam and Eve fought and argued and were suspicious of each other? Not one second. The Bible said this, they were naked and not ashamed. And that's not sexual. It just meant they were transparent. There was no put on, no foolishness, no stupid games, no pretending they didn't argue with each other. They didn't fight with each other. Listen to what the Bible said. I will make him a help me. Guess what they did for each other? They helped each other. They didn't fight with each other. You know where all that came from? That's the glory of God. That's what it means to live in the glory of God. And how many of you would agree that that's good? that just the glorious presence of God, he's, there he is, he's real. You're flooded with the joy and the peace. You're taken care of, you're provided for, you have a passion in life. You got these perfect relationships with people that are wonderful. I vote for that. All right, they had the glory of God. We were created to live in the glory of God. We were created to live like that. Well, what happened? Sin does what? Robs us of the glory of God. And on a set day, we, they lived like that for years maybe. The scripture's not clear. I don't know, set day, something happened. It's in Genesis 3. Something happened. I'll just quote it to you. They made a decision. Can any, and they, what they did is called sin. Can anybody tell me, now this is a trick question, so think. Can anybody tell me what they did? You may say, well, they ate that fruit. No, that wasn't the sin. That was the fruit of their sin. That was the activity of their sin. What was their sin? What was their decision? You're not God, I am. 
What was the temptation? Do you remember? You be God. I'm not God. Yeah, you are. Anytime you say you're not in charge, I am. You're saying I'm God now. And what they chose was, you're not going to tell me how to live. I'll make my own decisions against yours. And that's called sin. If you ask people about sin, they'll say like stealing, lying, having sex with somebody you're not married to, which is still sin. But dear ones, that, that's not sin. Those are the manifestations or sins. Sin is simply to say, you are not going to tell me what to do. It's rebellion against your creator. You say, I got a right to do what I want to do. Amen. It's your life. Everybody's got a free will. But let's go back to the verse. What does it say? All have sinned and come short of the... You can have sin or you can have glory, but you're not going to have both. You can live in the glory of God or you can have sin, but you're not going to have both. That's why we're suffering in our nation right now. We will not let our creator run our lives for the good. And the Bible teaches you and I that Adam lost the glory of God. Was, the Bible is a book about people who had that glory and lost it. Let me pick, pick one here. You ever heard of a man named Samson? He was one of the judges. What do you remember about Samson? Something unusual about him. What do you remember? He was strong. He had a destiny. He was created. He was a deliverer. He was going to save his nation. And his life was wonderful. And he was helping people. And he had the supernatural touch of God on his life. And people loved him. And, and it was a great life. And great things. He was living in the glory that God created him to live in. All of a sudden, one day, he made a decision. You're not going to tell me what to do anymore. And he did what he wanted to do. And in that moment, what happened? He lost the glory. And the next verse says, he knew not that the glory and spirit of the Lord had departed from him. And three things happened to him. And it's prophetic for you and I. It said he was captured and they put his eyes out. They poked his eyes out. They blinded him. They bound him. They made a grinder in the prison. How many people do I see doing those three things today? Doing sin will blind you. It will bind you and it will grind you. And uh, put, how many people do I know that are blind today? I've had people say to me, I, I've just looked at people and I just wanted to say, when they made decisions, I wanted to say, is there anybody in there? You did not just do that. I've had people say to me, I, I don't know what happened to me. Blindness means you just can't, you don't have any vision. You don't, you don't see things clearly. I, I made up this saying, I think it's pretty cool. It goes like this. If the blind lead the blind, I did not make that up. I want you to tell me something. We're the most educated generation in world history in this nation right now. We've got technology that when I was a boy, you never could have dreamed of. Why are we in the hellish mess we're in in this nation? Because blind people, blind leaders are leading blind people and we're in a ditch. Then sin will take your vision away from you and you'll do the dumbest things. What Samson did. They bound him. Let me, I'm going to say something here and see if you agree with me. I've never met a person who tells God, you're not going to tell me what to do who didn't have some bondage in their life. I mean, it might be drugs. It might be pride. It might be pornography. It might be hatred. It might be prejudice. It might be low self-esteem, which is bondage. You're a child of the living almighty God. You've been redeemed for eternity. What are you doing thinking you're a worm? But it'll, it'll, it'll bind you. But perhaps the craziest picture of all is that it'll, this man was a world changer. 
I mean, he delivered his whole nation and where'd he find himself? He was chained to a pole with a stick and all day long he walked around and around in a circle. Just going around and around and around. He was grinding wheat. He's just walking around and around in circles. What a picture. How many people do I know that have a destiny? A God-given destiny and they're just walking around in circles trying to figure out something to do in life. Maybe go see a movie. Maybe go get something to eat. I heard a fellow say this past week. He said, well, I, he said, it gives me something to do. You were created for more than just trying to find something to do. But the blindness puts us right around in circles. All through the Bible, King David was a man raised up by God who was a world changer. He was the most adored man. He's the greatest musician that ever lived. He was the most loved king in world history. One day he made a decision. You're not running my life anymore. I'm going to take over the day from now and I'll run it. I'll do it. What happened immediately? Psalm 51, he lost the presence of God in his life. His joy was turned to misery. He lost all the respect of all the people in his country. And his relationships were ruined and his own son took his throne and threw him out. There's a price tag to something we don't even talk about anymore in our culture. All right, tell me what Christmas is all about. What's it all about? She will bring forth a child and he shall save his people from their sins and the effects of it. Jesus came to this earth for one simple reason, so that I could go back to the glory of God. I'm telling you, there's only one problem on this planet. Don't make it complicated. Agree with what the man says. Why do we struggle so much just to agree with God and just call it what it is and just say, I need a savior. All right, I want you to, to look at scripture with me. Christmas is joy to the world. Now let me quote to you from John chapter one. <clears throat> and the word became flesh. God became a man and walked among us and we beheld what? Does anybody know the rest of it? We beheld his glory. We saw what life was supposed to be like again. And Jesus comes back to earth and brings the message that the glory of God is available. <clears throat> Let me explain this to you. I'm, we've got to change our thinking from, okay, I won't do it if it'll make you mad, to realizing I am killing myself. All right, let me help you understand this. I have a shop where I work at in my workshop and uh, I have rat poison in that shop. The reason I have rat poison in there, even though we have a cat, is because my wife takes such good care of the cat at the back door, he don't have to work in the shop and we have to chase rats anymore. He gets fed too good and he ain't about to chase a rat. So I have rat poison out there. And uh, being cute, I put a little sign up there that says, don't eat the rat poison little cardboard tray, got rat poison. So I look full of sign, don't eat the rat poison. I mean, that was nice of me. All right, so you come out there in my shop, you visited and you see that rat poison, you see that sign and you say, man, I'd love to eat that rat poison, but I don't want to make Brother Brown mad. I don't eat his rat poison. Got that sign up there, don't eat the rat poison. I'd probably make him mad, so I'm not going to eat it. I'd love to have it, but I don't want him mad at me. I mean, that's dumb to the 10th power. Listen, if you eat that rat poison, me being mad is the last thing you'll need to worry about. Did I put that sign up there to rain on your parade? Did I put that sign up there to screw you up? I love you. I, I, I don't want you eating my rat poison because I like you. If you eat that rat poison, I'm not going to kill you. Rat poison by itself will kill you. 
Do you understand what I'm saying here? We see thou shalt not and we go, fine, fine. If it's going to make you mad, I won't do it. You're missing it a mile and a half, dude. Rat poison will kill you no matter what somebody's thinking. So can I ask you a question? If we all agree that the Bible is true, that is the ultimate truth, that Oprah's wrong, Dr. Phil's wrong, everybody's wrong who disagrees with that book. Why do we keep eating a rat poison? Knowing that the wages of sin is death. And if I sin, I lose the glory of God that I was created to enjoy. Why do we keep doing it if we know it's going to hurt us? Well, I'll tell you what, tell you what let's do. Let's just quit calling it rat poison. Let's call it something else and that way it won't hurt us. Dear ones, listen to me. You can call it tutti frutti, but if it's rat poison, it's going to kill you. It don't matter. Are you, are you understand what I'm saying here? We got to get back on track with this thing and understand there's life out there and I can't keep doing this. Do me a favor. Quit eating the rat poison. All right. The scripture teaches you and I that Jesus came to save me from my sin and I don't need to eat rat poison anymore. Have we settled this thing? Right, here's the mystery to me. Why do we do it knowing? All right, let me suggest three things from scripture. You say, brother, why would anybody eat rat poison? Well, the Bible gives three reasons. Number one, your culture's begging you to eat it. Your society begs you to eat it. Number two, now this is going to sound crazy, but stay with me. There's something inside of me that wants to eat it. How many of you would agree with scripture? I delight in the, Romans 7, I delight in the law of God in my inner man, but I see another member inside of me wanting something that's going to kill me. Even I have an evil side, but perhaps this is the biggest one. There is a malevolent being in this earth who has the ability to take rat poison and make it look so good. What's it called when that being makes rat poison look good? What's the word? Temptation. Somebody got it. You know what temptation is, don't you? It's when they make rat poison look real good. We love this temptation. I wouldn't be surprised if somebody doesn't start a singing group one day and call it the temptations. We are so big on this stuff. Here's the question. Why would I do something knowing it's going to hurt me? All right, I have this, this happens all the time in my church. Sometime back, a man in my church left his wife for another woman, which is sin. You say, well, you don't know the circumstances. Knock it off. Let's start saying it like God says it. That's sin. So I went to see him. Hint, you sin in my church, I'll be on your doorstep. I love you too much. So I went to see him. And uh, I told him, I said, you idiot. <laughs> he was. And I told him, I said, you idiot times two. For this reason, number one, it was sin. This is wrong. It's sin and you're going to suffer. And number two, I hate to tell this y'all. I said, I saw what you left. I saw what you went to. You, you a mega idiot. I said, you left her for that? I said, you fell out of the idiot tree and hit your head on every limb on the way down. What's wrong with you, Bubba? All right, listen to this. You want to hear something crazy? He said to me, he said to me, you're right. Well, if I'm right, why are you doing it? What is this about us? 
Matter of fact, he said, here's his exact words. He said, I'm such a jughead. I said, that's what I came to tell you. <laughs> Why do we do something knowing this is going to kill me? Why does my nation do it? Why do we continue? There's a power there somewhere. Let me tell you what Christmas is. It's not about bells and tinsel. I love all that stuff. Christmas is about the Son of God coming and saying to me, I will set you free and you don't have to do this anymore so the glory of God can come back into your life. I don't care how screwed up it is. So my, I can never get over this stuff in the past. Yes, you can. He is the redeemer and the restorer of the junk in the past. I mean, he came to bring the glory of God back to us. He, he didn't just come to help you a little bit. He came to bring us back to original design where we were supposed to be. Number one, if I will receive this baby, now listen to me carefully here. It's not about going to church only. I mean, I'm glad you come. I'd look pretty stupid in here talking to empty seats. It's not about going to church. It's not about not being ugly to people. Although I wish you would do it. It's not about not smoking. Smoke if you want to. Just don't breathe on me. That's not the issue. There was to, to have Jesus, you'd be amazed at the people in our nation that will go to church, be good, put money in the kettle and not smoke, but they will not get face to face with God and deal with the core one issue. You are God, I'm not. You are the Lord of my life. You call the shots. People ask me all the time, why does Christianity not work in America? You know what they're saying? How come Christians don't have the glory of God on their lives? What's the answer? Face to face. Just listen to me carefully. You can be the nicest person in your community. I've never hurt anybody. Give money freely, whatever you want to say, and still live in sin every day of your life because you are still running the show. You're still the boss. Until we say... Have thine own way, Lord. Have thine own way. We have never surrendered our wills. Christianity doesn't work until you say, are you ready? Y'all ready? Not my will. Thine be done. And on the day you say that and mean it and stick with it, the glory comes back into your life. The spirit of God comes back and that joy and that peace and that I have yet to understand Dear ones, why do you want to drive your boat miserable when he can drive it and you can have his presence? What is it about human nature? I am hell bent. I will take this ship to the bottom of the ocean, but I'm going to be in charge of it. What is it about us? Why is it that we want to drive? No, you can't even get the dog to shut up. And you want to run your life? There was the man created that sunset you saw last night. He can do better than you. What is it about us with this tug of war over the steering wheel? I saw another stupid sticker. I've seen a lot of stupid stuff lately. And it said, God is my co-pilot. No, he ain't. <laughs> he, what? That must be one of them isms gods who's like, you know, is Hinduism, Buddhist, who's going to be wasms. Not the real one. He don't do co-pilot. Have you ever seen a pilot look at his co-pilot and say, Lord? That don't work like that. He's not your co-pilot. Pull over. You get in the trunk and lock it. 
Give him the keys and say, drive me wherever you want to go. He said, man, I, I don't mind giving, but I don't, I don't know if I want him running the show or not. Where do you think he's going to take you? Where was you taking you to? How was that doing you? Where do you think he's going to take you? The glory of God. Back to that place where the presence of God is real and, and your needs are met and you're cared for and you've got a reason to get up in the morning and there's a passion in life and you found your purpose in life. and You just go, I was made for this. And you sense the hand of God's on you. Look at the relationships get better and better. And he brings people. You just go, God's in this. This is God right here. If you'll let him drive, he'll take you somewhere. So, well, can't, can't we just drive, share, ride, share, me and him? There's no Uber gospel, dude. You got to get this thing right. He is Lord. Period. You're only one decision away from a great life. Have thine own way, Lord. You're only one decision. You know what dumb is? Dumb is to, I've never flown an airplane in my life. I don't like flying. I don't like being crammed in and I always get a, a, a fat person on one side and a baby crying on the other side and I fly. I just, I hate flying. It just... And I wouldn't know, I didn't know where the steering wheel, I didn't think they have steering wheels in planes. They have steering wheels, I don't know. You know what stupid would be? For me back here flying miserable, go up there and jerk a door up and say, get out of the chair, I'm taking over. That's dumb beyond compare. You know, I know this is a simple message. You know what Christmas is? It's a chance to say to the man who loves you and created this universe, I'm vacating the chair, you get back in it. The sun came to this earth to save me from my piloting, my driving, my decision-making, my everything. Jesus is Lord. He came back. To, it's that simple, guys. We're, we're trying. I've had people talk to me, and by the time they got done, I was confused. We've, we've got these big, complicated answers. Put the man in the driver's seat and mean it. So where's he going to take me? That's none of your business. I just promise you this, it'll be good. It'll be glory. All right, the just, he came so that we could get back to life. And, and uh, Darren, you've got two choices in life every day, all day. What are they? All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. You can have one of two things. Tell me what, you're never gonna have both. You'll never have the glory of God and you'll never have sin. So you always choose every day. It's that simple. I don't care what the temptation is. I don't care. I know this. That man is good. And he loves me. And he wants to do me good. And I'm not falling for this stuff anymore. All right. Let me, uh, let me, let me tell you what happened. I know, I know some of you sitting here thinking, oh, you know, I'm, I'm a pretty sharp fellow. I got a pretty good life. All right, will you listen to scripture? Listen to what the Bible says. If you run your own life, even if you're sharp, even if things are going good, all you're ever going to have in life is the best you can do for you. I hope it's good. When you say take over, you'll have the best there. All right, let me tell you what happened. It's been several years ago. And a fellow had come to our church. He'd gotten saved and he loved Jesus. He was crazy about him, but he didn't know much. You know, he, he had Jesus in his heart and he was all excited. And, and, and the Lord really turned his life around because his life was really screwed up. And he was really excited about God. And he was talking to people at his work. And he had this girl that he worked with. She's about 40 years old. And he told her, said, you need to get saved. And she said, from what? 
He said, I don't, I don't know. I don't know the complicated stuff. I just know you need to get saved. And that's how he talked to her. And he told her about Jesus. And, and she said, yeah, okay, I'll do that. And he said, well, you got to quit sinning. Oh, that went over about like a pregnant pole vaulter. That didn't quite clear the bar there, buddy. She got mad at him. And she said, are you saying I'm in sin? He said, yeah, yeah. He said, well, my preacher. I said, whoa, 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 whoa. Not me, the Bible. Blame it on the Bible. Don't blame it on me. I'm just the delivery boy. I didn't write the thing. He said, yeah. He said, you're a sinner and you're in sin. This is sin. And you got to quit the sin before you can come to Jesus. I thought, how many preachers don't know to tell this? Have y'all ever heard this? I, I received Jesus. You don't tack him on like a cheap first aid kit. You have to quit your sin to follow Jesus. Where have we lost this message in this land? That's why Christianity is not working in America. So he tells her this. She gets mad. She said, I'm going to go see your preacher. I said, great. Bring her to see me. Buy her a Bible. Don't put it off on me. So he just gets us. Well, come right now. They just left. Left work. Came over to see me. And uh, came and then he said, <laughs> he used to love these people. He said, I was telling her to get, get saved. And she said she wanted to. And I told her she was in sin. She got mad. And I brought her to you. I said, so you want me to talk to her? He said, yeah, we'll both come in there. So we go in there and we sat down. And uh, boy, she looked like, you ever seen like when you rub the cat the wrong way? <laughs> Listen to me. I've been told you rub the cat the wrong way. The answer is not to quit rubbing. The answer is to turn the cat around. Okay, so she's sitting and she said, he said, I'm a sinner. Do you think that's straight? He said, I want to know what you say about it. Well, you know, <clears throat> don't argue. Don't, when people are fired up, don't engage them. I just sat there for a second and I said, what do I say? The Spirit of God put this in my I just looked at her and I just quietly said, because a soft answer turns away wrath. I just said to her, are you really happy? Are you really happy deep inside? You don't look happy to me. And she got quiet. She sat there for a minute and she started crying. She said, no. She said, I'm miserable. I said, that's what this is all about. It's not about fighting over what sin is. This is about life. This is about the glory of God coming back into your life. I said, sweetheart, look what you have done for you in your defiant state. You're miserable. And I said, let me take a wild guess. Your life's at a dead end, isn't it? You've tried this and that. And she just sat there and cried and and by the grace of God, she said, you're right. I said, no, I'm not right. I'm just the messenger. God's right. I said, the Bible's true. I said, if you'll repent, which means I'll do what he says, you can find what you're looking for. Find what your heart's looking for. You can find the peace that you don't have. You can find the contentment. God, don't worry about the people. God will bring people into your life. I may even know God will bring people into your life. All right, <clears throat> can I point something out to you? Who brought Eve into Adam's life? When did, when did he bring Eve into Adam's life? Would you say that it was great till they sinned? How many good marriages start out so good till somebody gets selfish? And uh, when did he bring Eve into Adam's life? Somebody said while he was asleep, amen. <laughs> that doesn't mean you need to go to bed till a good woman shows up. What is sleep in the Bible? What's that always a picture of in the Bible? Rest. It means you quit trying. 
and he does it. And if you would quit trying and trust him, he'd do what you're fighting tooth and nail for. I said, just trust the man. And she did. She trusted Jesus. She was born again. She was saved. Her life was changed. It was tough because sometimes it can be, all right, I'm going to tell you something. It can be a little tough coming out of things and working your life. I'm not going to lie to you. It can be a little tough at times. You know what's tougher? Trying it on your own. Trying it without him. And thinking you can drive the thing. This is so simple. The son of God came to this earth to save me from my sins. Sin is a big deal. It's the only problem we have in this nation. To be honest with you, it's the only problem I've ever had in my life. Now, I love pastoring. I got a large church. I love pastoring. Pastoring would be an absolute cake job if it weren't for sin. If y'all would quit, my life would get so much better. We have one problem in this land and Jesus came to save us from it. So I want you to make up your mind. I want you to do something. And everybody's going to have to decide. I've had a little bit of fun this morning. Everybody wants to skirt the issue, but then it always comes down, life always comes down to one thing, me and my creator face to face. Who's going to call the shots? Every day I have to wake up and start over and say, you are Lord today. This is the day the, who? Who is Lord? What does Lord mean? This is the day the boss has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. They say, you... You're going to ruin my life. No, I'm not. You're going to find life. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Guess what we call people who are going to be, ain't nobody going to tell me what to do. I'll do anything I want to do. Guess what we call those people? Guess what we call them? Prisoner number 377605. Dear ones, there's a tug of war between me and him. And if I win, I crash. If he wins, I have his glory. This is the issue nobody wants to talk about in church, one nobody wants to deal with. Because there's going to come a place where you've got to say to you, stand down. No, he is Lord. And I want to live one final testimony with you. All I've got is my own testimony. You've got your testimony. Let me make an announcement. He's batting a thousand so far. In other words, he's right most of the time. Oh, you're so sure of it now. Won't you live it tomorrow, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday? <laughs> Practice it when you get out there. Do it. Doc, do it. Don't just holler. Here's my testimony. Every time I have, I'm a Christian. I'm not going to look right at him and say, no. I'm just going to sort of skirt on around and do my own thing. Hope he don't see. Hope he don't notice. Every time I have climbed on the throne, I suffered and somebody else did. Every time I made the decision and because I'm old, I'm learning. Every time I made the decision to say, stand down, beggars. You are not the Lord. He is. And I don't care how good that rat poison looks. I ain't sticking my snout in it today. Every time I have made the decision to stand down and say, not my will, but thine be done. Guess what happened? God is good. And he has blessed the fire out of me. And it's got to point now where you come near me with rat poison. I don't care how good it looks. I'm running. 
to the Savior. It's decision time. Lord Jesus, I praise you and thank you so much for your goodness. Thank you for just in the midst of all the tinsel and trees and gifts and hark the heralding and all the stuff we do and little plastic babies laying in a wooden manger, all that stuff that we do at this time of the year, it really just boils down to me and you. It just really comes down to who are you going to let run the boat? Who's going to get to drive? I pray in Jesus' name for every person in this room. Thank you for your word that is so clear that it is sin that has cost us the glory of God, but you come to give it back. But we can't have both. I pray for every person in this room. Lord Jesus, your word says you are sympathetic toward our struggles. And yet I pray for grace that we'll make a decision to say, have thine own way, Lord. Have thine own way. And Christmas dust simply means the glory of God's coming back on my life because I'm going to let him run it. I trust you for that. Friend, if you're seated here today, perhaps you're like that lady I talked about who just defiant and going to do what I want to do. The question is not, are you going to do what you want to do? The question is, how's that working out for you? The question is, what's that doing to your heart? And I'm going to tell you something. I love you. Jesus can run your life better than you can. Do not be deceived. The wages of sin will always be death. The gift of God will always be life when you make Jesus Lord. So seated right there where you're at, I want us to make a decision today. Don't, don't pray out of emotion or out of, I'm going to try this. Make a decision to follow Jesus. Put him first in your life and make him the Lord of your life. You don't need to worry about the what, how, and what. When he sees that you've made a decision, he'll get everything to you. He'll get it there. Pray a simple prayer with me seated right there where you're at. Dear Jesus, I believe you died on a cross for me to save me from my sin. I ask you to forgive me. Come into my heart. Take over this life, Jesus. From this day forward, you are the Lord of glory of my life. I trust you for that. In the precious name of Jesus, I pray. My friend, if you meant that before God, honestly, raise your hand real high where I can see it. Put it up real high. Thank you. Thank you. Put all those down. Lord Jesus, I love you and praise you. I thank you so much that you came to reach out your hand with life to us. I pray for every person in this room that they will just say, he is my Lord and watch what you do. Thank you for the simplicity of the Christmas message that Jesus came to save me from my sin and bring me back to the goodness of my father. We'll praise you and bless you forevermore. In the precious name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. And amen. Amen. Before you leave, you've got to know something. Next week, we'll have two services here because it's Christmas celebration next Sunday. we got great music. we have a great time. I mean, we just need to have a Sunday where we just sing His praises and celebrate the Lord's goodness. That's going to be next Sunday here. 9 o'clock and 11 o'clock services will be here. Both of them. And we're going to celebrate big. And also, I, I saw here today, I want to celebrate Tommy and Mary McGuire. Well, there's one of you. Tommy and Mary McGuire, 39 years married. Congratulations. God bless both of you. 39 years. Now, when you get to heaven and you see Mary and she's got all these crowns and medals and jewels and, and you're wondering, I wonder what she did. That's what she did. 39 years. She just cheer for them. That was hateful, wasn't it? That's just ugly. Okay, I got to quit sinning. All righty. God bless you. Thank you so much for coming today. Let's stand and be dismissed. Oh, Jesus, we love you. Praise you. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for showing us such kindness. Thank you for doing for us what we could never do for ourselves. 
by your own sacrificial goodness. Let Jesus be glorified in our hearts and our homes and in this land. In his precious name we pray. Amen.